This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, so good to be with you here at Harbor at Home. You know, I'm just reminded of the early church and when Jesus and his disciples would gather in various houses or around campfires, around a dinner dinner table. Um, This is where their lives were shaped and changed. Even, you know, when they gathered in large masses, like the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord would always turn to his disciples who he was raising up at the moment and he'd begin to ask them questions, and they would dialogue, they would have conversation, they would go deeper in the word of the Lord as they were being formed and fashioned by the Lord himself. And that's what we want to dive into here at Harbor at Home. And so we're going to continue our series in New Beginnings because God is making something beautiful out of the midst of brokenness. And today we're going to look at um, what I've titled An Eye for an Eye, where we're going to kind of process how we deal with our enemies in the midst of an unjust system. I want you to think about that for a minute. I think if ever I've seen a time where there's people opposed against each other, i.e. enemies with each other, or those who are righteous ones that are trying to live for God, I think this is just going to increase as we move closer and closer to the desired aim of the Father, a move of God in in an unprecedented way, maybe unlike ever in any other time in human history. And so God wants our hearts prepared. He wants us to know how to navigate these moments. And Jesus actually taught on this very plainly. So we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5 today. I'm going to be reading quite a bit of scripture to you, but we're going to be just letting the word of the Lord just sink into our hearts, just really go deep today. As we hear from Jesus himself um, on this subject. Now, Looking with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, Jesus says to them, he says, you've heard the law says the punishment must match the injury. The punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You've heard those sayings. It's still said to this day. But what was going on here, just to qualify this, is he was, he was talking about the, the punishment of the penal system, the, or the vengeance of the, of the penal system on injustice. And so, you know, the, the punishment um, much, must match the crime, so to speak. And that's, that's what was going on. There's nothing actually wrong with that, that uh, scenario, you know, or, or that, that, that illustration, um, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, like in, as it relates to the penal system, like a just... Uh, system, you know, to to prosecute and uh, to to deal with injustice, right? But here's the question that I want you to think about: How do you deal with um, punishment uh, that that could be coming against yourself, where you have no ability to protect yourself because of injustice reigning in the earth? Um, especially if the system itself or the, the, the penal system itself is unjust, is unjust. Because the deal at the end of the day, like we 
We can't fix all of the ills that are going on in society. In fact, we can't even fix all of the injustice. I mean, that's, that's what good laws are for and, and, and healthy, righteous government is for. You know, the people were never supposed to, quote-unquote, take the law in their own hands, so to speak. So in, in, there's a lot of tension when it comes to dealing with injustice that has maybe invaded, um, you know, law or, or order or any of those types of things. So look what, what Jesus says in verse 39. I want to read this to you. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court, verse 40, and your shirt is taken from you, give him your coat as well. Verse 41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now, here's what I need to do up front and qualify this. I am not talking at all in this message about Christians becoming doormats, all right? Or or not setting up proper healthy boundaries from people or individuals or whatever the case may be to to give health to their own hearts and to their own lives. What Jesus is addressing here is he's talking about injustice affecting you in three different ways, physically, financially, and hierarchically. Let me explain that. Physically, you know, there's, there, it's not massive uh, uh, physical abuse going on here. He's talking, he's talking about someone slapping you, someone trying to, to provoke you, if you will. It's like physical provocation. Um, the, the suing in verse 40 has to do, at the end of the day, about robbing you or stealing from you of your finances. And then the whole soldier demanding you to carry his gear for a mile, and, and, he, and Jesus says, carry it two miles in verse 41. He's talking about hierarchical oppression. So this is where injustice really is, is, is reigning in a culture. Jesus is addressing that because that was going on in their time. You know, there was, there was provocation physically, there was financial threats uh, through lawsuits, and there was hierarchical, um, you know, overload that, that was really oppressing the people of the day. And, and really, instead of this having anything to do with being doormats, Jesus was trying to get at the heart of his followers and say, listen, man, if you enter into the same spirit that is coming at you by trying to bring justice to injustice and bypassing the, the penal system that in this moment was, was actually broken. Um, it was not, not, not as just as it should have been. I mean, I don't think anything's going to ever be perfect, but it was, it was really corrupt at the moment. So especially the believers of the day, they were, they were, they were under physical, financial, and hierarchical oppression. And he said, you can't match that with an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Because if you do, you're entering into the same spirit that is being propagated against you. And if you partner, if you will, with the same spirit that is coming against you, there's not going to be any power to bring transformation. If you look at verse 42, this will give us a little more context to grasp what I just spoke to you. He says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want or have a need to borrow. That, that, actually, that verse doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in terms of just reading through these verses, but it does contextually if you see it through the lens of not partnering with the same spirit that is oppressing you. Because, you know, when, 
when physical, financial, and hierarchical abuse happens oftentimes in our life, what, what goes on is, is our hearts begin to, to, to close off to those in need that God may bring across our path. So when he's talking about give to those who ask and, and don't turn away those who want to borrow, he's talking about people that are in a more broken situation than we are. And at the end of the day, God wants the church not only to be the financial answer to the world, but he wants us to be the answer in general to all that ails the world. And if what's coming against us, as it is pretty much most people, but if it's, let's say if it's focused primarily on Christians, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a possibility where our hearts could get hardened and we could wall up and then actually close ourselves off from the very people that God wants us to help. Does that make sense? I'm going for the heart today. Jesus was going for the heart. He was always going for the heart. He was pressing in to not allow his disciples and his followers to become affected by the culture of the world, but rather take on a different culture from the inside out and bring transformation to the world around them because of what they carried through the heart of Jesus. You see... Any realms of injustice within whatever system is going to create the potential for enemies. Any potential injustice reigning on whatever degree in any system has the possibility to create a culture where enemies, sides are taken. You know, this kind of formation is fashioned. So Jesus, in verse 43, he says, and he goes into the second law that he wants to address. He says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. Well, that sounds good, but it only works in a system where there's no injustice whatsoever. But if any injustice creeps into that system, there's the potential for enemies to form. So he says in verse 44, I say, love your enemies. Agapeo is the word there. It's it's social and moral love. It's, It's what is needed to properly shape and guide and direct a culture through times of great injustice. He said you've got to agapeo your enemies. And he says you need to do this as well. You need to pray for those who persecute you. This is where we begin to partner with heaven and we because otherwise we're going to set ourselves aside even from the transformation of our enemies. Now you got to remember if you if you think back to the apostle Paul who was the greatest enemy of the church. I know that these verses that these disciples heard were put into action and being fleshed out through the lives of those that were being persecuted by this man who was ultimately going to be birthed into the kingdom and write the majority of the New Testament itself. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a stretch. That's a hard one to really think about when you're under duress, when you're suffering physical, financial, hierarchical oppression from whatever person in the flesh, outside of the grace of God. It is very hard to love your enemy, to have a social and moral compass that says, man, I've got to turn my heart 
in, in an agape way towards this enemy. And not only do I need to do that, I need to pray for them. But you see, love matched with prayer, it brings a breakthrough into the earth. If you look at all of the early um, church members who lost their lives, starting with Stephen and then onwards, Stephen, as did Jesus, prayed for his oppressors even as he was having his life taken from him. Can you imagine that? Think with me for just a minute about the ramifications of that. His own life is being diminished on this earth. And yet he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Why? Because they're under a a, a spirit of darkness, a spirit where their eyes have been blinded and they can't see. And we've been given sight by the grace of God. Stephen had been given sight by the grace of God. He saw the Lord standing up on his behalf, ruling and reigning in the heavens. And he released love and he released forgiveness. And the greatest apostle of all time, many would argue, was birthed into the kingdom because of his cooperation with the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus continues in verse 45. He says, in that way, listen to this. This is really powerful. You will be acting, this is profound language to me, as true children of your Father in heaven. Now, if he's saying that, that must mean that there's others that say they're children, but they're not really his children. But this is how True children of the Father respond in an unjust system to enemies that have been set on the other side of the table against them. That are actually not just there on the other side of the table, but are, but are trying to oppress them in the ways that we looked at earlier. Now look at this concept of how the Father deals with all of humanity in the very next part of verse 45. He says, for he gives... His Jesus talking about the Father, he, for he gives his sunlight both the evil to both the evil and the good. That's crazy. Because you know, there's been like, you know, language out there like, well, if you do evil, then you know, the whole karma thing, you know, then it's it's gonna turn bad against you and all that kind of stuff. The crazy thing, those things may happen, but I think it's actually more coincidental or, or incidental because of people involved in whatever situations. It's kind of that sowing and reaping law more than it is the, the whole karma law because God, he gives sunlight to both the evil and to the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Isn't that amazing? Because if you think about that, that illustration, sunlight and rain... This was an agricultural system back in the day. So he's talking about like, I give, basically here's what the Father's saying. I give opportunity for good people and for evil people, for just people and for unjust people. The opportunity is there. The opportunity is there for anybody to better their lives. And so at the end of the day, listen, no one is going to have an excuse when they stand before God. Because in their lives, whether they were just or unjust, good or evil, they were given the same opportunities as anybody else. That's the truth. And so God is trying to reveal his nature here. He's trying to reveal, hey, this is the essence. And that's why when you begin to act like me in the way that you even approach your enemies, again, not being doormats or setting up proper boundaries. I'm talking about not using, uh, you know, being wise as we relate. You've got to be wise with your enemies. You better be very wise, with, wiser with your enemies than with your friends, right? You better know what you're getting into, know who you're dealing with. 
know how to handle this, these situations and these people. But at the same time, we need to agapeo them. We need to take on a moral and social um, action and movement of love while at the same time praying, praying. In fact, I want to ask you, I'm early into the questions here. This is one of the ones that I sit down, but I want to ask you, when's the last time you prayed for one of your enemies? When someone legitimately came and persecuted you, can I ask you this question? Was your heart in a place of grace under the Holy Spirit to love that person socially and morally and begin to pray for God to break through into their lives? Just a thought. Because there's opportunity available to them if we partner with God in heaven by agreeing for his kingdom to come. Some of the greatest followers of Jesus are in some of those camps and doing some of those things that we despise. And we need to begin to pray for God to break through into those lives in the name of Jesus. Verse 46, look what he says. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you in that? Even tax collectors do, do, this, uh, do that much. So it's not about loving those who love you. It's loving those who don't love you, right? And, and this whole reward thing, he's talking about eternal rewards. I just want to pause here for just a minute, and I want to give you an illustration from my own life, and then we're going to wrap this up. You know, there was a time in my life, been many times, where I've, I've faced what I'm talking about today. This is not one that's theory to me. This message is not theory. I've, I've lived and walked this out over the 20 plus years um, that Wendy and I have been in, in full-time vocational ministry. Just by standing for good, you're going to take on uh, opposition, right? You're going to have enemies just for standing for what's right. This is a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. I need to qualify that, and I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual. That's a very biblical passage right there to give truth that we're not fighting against people. There are spiritual things going on that we can't even see unless we ask God to open up our eyes. But I've walked this out. And so it's not just about loving those who are nice to you. You've got to learn how to love people that aren't nice to you. But there was, there was a, a, a situation, a family. I, I just actually I couldn't even believe what they were doing in terms of, of how they were acting and behaving towards uh, me and Wendy. And um, the biggest thing for me in it was that they had constructed a lie, you know, and it was very damaging um, or potentially damaging to our character and so forth. And anyhow, to make a long story short, God brought me through a season in that, in that experience where I really learned what it meant to love my enemy. And I'd come to that place. And so long story short, a friend of mine was speaking in a conference in another city and I drove over to that city to hang out with him and have lunch with him. And while I was there, after the conference, and in fact, during the conference, he mentioned my name several times in our church here in South Florida. And when the, when the session of the conference was over and we were getting ready to go to lunch, I was standing in the lobby of where this conference was being held, and all of a sudden, a person just kind of ran up to me, grabbed a hold of me, and was weeping and screaming. And when I looked down... I realized that there, it was a woman that had, that had grabbed a hold of me in the midst of this lobby where there was probably a few hundred people. And I just put my hands up in the air like, hey, guys, I don't know what's going on here. And finally, when I, actually, after I took some time and I looked down, I recognized this was the wife of this couple that had done these horrible things uh, to me and my family. And when I looked down at her, I, I had this overwhelming sense of compassion and I just I said hey let's just step aside for just a minute and um, 
let, let me, what's, what's happening here? What's going on? Because she was hysterical. She was shaking. She was screaming. She was crying. And what was interesting, what she said, is she said, she was just screaming out, I just, something bad's going to happen to our family. Something bad's going to happen to our family. I'm so afraid. I'm so terrified. Something bad's going to happen to our family. And I want you to think with me what she was under at the moment. She was under an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth kind of fear. She was like, my goodness, for what I've done to you, I and my family deserve this. And it was eerie. I was like, wow. I mean, it, I could feel the emotion on her life when she was screaming this in front. She had no, I mean, she didn't care about any of the people around me. She was just, and she was begging me for mercy. And again, the most profound thing happened to me that day. I looked at her like Jesus would. And I said, obviously, you're being oppressed by this. I, I qualified the character of the Father. I said, what you're fearing is not the heart of the Lord for you, for your life, for your family, for your husband. And he wants you to be released from this. And I want to release you from this. And I want you to know that I've forgiven you. And you can go from this place in peace. And boom! she just broke on the floor into a puddle. And I could just see the peace of God descend over her and all that chaos that was ruling over her in that previous moment left and evaporated out of that lobby and out of that space that we were in. And she just looked up at me like, I can't believe that you were able to forgive me. Verse 47, Jesus says, if you're kind only to your friends... How are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. People that don't even believe in God. In other words, there's just no delineation from the world system. Now, this is a tough message. I don't, I don't like the whole enemy thing. I don't like being persecuted. I don't like being physically, financially, or hierarchically oppressed. I don't think anybody enjoys that, right? But here's the crazy thing, is that's unfortunately, it's just the way it's been since the beginning of the church, since the existence of Jesus, since the existence, if you go back from that, the children of Israel, if you look at any major character that's ever been used for anything great, they've had to walk through this kind of reality. And so, it, man, we want all of our, here's what we want, especially as Americans, we want all, all of our problems to go away. We don't want to have to deal with anything, really. Because we're not, we're not conditioned to this. I mean, we've lived, you know, persecution-free for so many years, probably since the or- origination of our nation. I mean, it was built on religious freedom, Right? And so many other countries that have been thriving. Revival's been breaking out. They've been the very nations that have been suffering some of the most violent physical, financial, and hierarchical oppression in the world. But God, as they grab a hold of the truth of the scriptures, begins to move through them to create an otherworldly type of culture. They become transformed people who start transforming the world around them. 
Last verse. Because here's the, the command, the commission. And this is crazy to think about. He says in verse 48, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Whoa. There's the standard. Perfection. In other words, taking on the likeness of our Father. Becoming Huiases, sons and daughters of God who take on his divine nature. Well, we can't do that in our own strength and ability. We only can do that by the grace of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Holy Spirit increasing in our midst to make us look like Jesus. Perfect is the Greek word teleos, which means complete, of full age. How many of you know that we're in a process of maturing? Ephesians chapter 4, I end with this, verse 12 and 13, talks about the Ephesians 4 gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Those are legit gifts given to the earth to help equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry. But also, it says here in verse 12, their responsibility besides equipping the body of Christ uh, to, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, it says that this will continue, their equipping will continue until what? We come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the, there's the word, complete. Going back to Teleos, verse 48. Standard of Christ. It's going to be manifest on the earth. Come on. It's going to be manifest on the earth. And when it is, it will release such power that people won't even begin to and be able to comprehend it. So here's my questions for you as we close. What has been your view on just punishment? I'm not talking about in our, in our systems out there that are meant to protect us and punish injustice. I'm talking about you. When injustice comes against you, no one defends you. No one's able to defend you for whatever reason. You know, because in my illustration of that I just gave you, I wasn't able to find full defense there. I had to walk it out. You know, I had to just, just walk that one out, right? And, but, but what's your view, as, as I had to take on a view of how I was going to find justice in the midst of that situation? Was it going to be eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, or was it going to be love and pray? Number two, what has been your methodology of dealing with your enemies? How have you handled that? How are you handling that now? There's a lot, there's so many enemies right now. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. I can't even go on Facebook. I'm just going to be honest. It's like, it's like toxic. Like enemies fighting each other. It's, it's the social media way right now, you know? But how do, how do you deal with an enemy that comes against you? I think it's a very important question to ask because we've got to at least acknowledge where we're at in this process. Like if you're like, man, to be honest, like I'm just, I just get upset. I want to fight. I want to, I want to respond. I want to, I want to see justice. Have you tried to love them? Have you tried to pray for them? Number three, last one. And this is really important. 
Are you being drawn to people right now? Especially maybe those different than you or someone maybe on the other side of of the table or the aisle or whatever side that they're on. Or do you find yourself separating from people and polarizing to only those that you connect with and call friends? And maybe that friend group is even narrowed. Maybe it's like, I don't even know who my friends are anymore. Is that where you've been in this season? Yes or no? And depending on the answer, I want you to ask the question, why? Because Jesus wants us to come closer. Again, not doormats, not laying down boundaries, but he wants us to come closer in the grace of God. And he wants us to give us his heart, and he wants us to give us his perspective, and he wants to utilize us as vessels to release something so powerful on the earth that it will mark this season in human history. Father, have your way. Do what you want to do. Come and release the kingdom of heaven through your bride. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.